With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Now, here's Angie Austin with The Good News. Excellent. It is the good news. Hello, friend. Thanks for joining us. We've got a bunch of the good news gals here today. We've got Donna Hetzler, Stacy Voss. We've got Michelle Betts, Michelle Ron, and Monique Davis. And, of course, me, Angie Austin, and producer Dave. Just want to say how wonderful this community is. Uh, you probably, uh, if you listen to the show, know Beatrice Bruno, the drill sergeant of life. And she lost her husband, John. And uh, it was a real shock to all of us because he didn't have any prior issues. So it was very sudden. He died from a heart attack. And uh, so I, I was just really touched at how many of us went, you know, to support her and, you know, whether it be the funeral or coming to her house with food and just being there for her. That really made me feel good about this community we have here on The Good News. And then also right now, Beatrice is with our last producer, Moose, and Moose's son, Toby, is three and he has leukemia, and he went into ICU the other night, and uh, I believe he's in the cancer ward now, and he's left ICU, but in the middle of the night, he was just very cold, and he had an infection, and, you know, a three-year-old going through chemo, it's a lot of a lot for his little body to take, and so guess who's over there praying with the family right now? Beatrice Bruno, who just lost her husband. Mm-hmm. That's so She's be. over there. That's our girl. Yeah, she's you know, over there praying she, with she them. She cannot not do um, prayers and, and what she's called to do by God, and it's beautiful. In the midst of her grieving, she was consoling other people, and she's just an amazing woman. Mm-hmm. And she did the um, the eulogy at her husband's funeral yes. and sang, and, and sang. I've never seen someone have the strength to sing and do the eulogy it wasn't her strength it was yeah. god's mm-hmm. it was you god's. you were you sing at a lot of funerals michelle i sang at my mother's oh you did yeah. uh, uh, and there were circumstances leading up to why i did but i literally tell you you've i've never felt god's everlasting strong arms as i did that day i never sang better i never will sing any better between now and heaven so, no, it, God takes over. And he took over for her that day. Yes, I mean, that's and what a great message her. she had, right, too, empowering. Right. and on love, and mm-hmm. sure. She did, didn't she? she had well, a great and the message. day that he went home to live with Jesus was the day that we were, it was a Tuesday, and we were here, and, one, and the show that we recorded was on appreciating each day as we have it and each moment and tell the ones you love. Mm-hmm. And she went home that afternoon, and it was that afternoon. I mean, that's God's, wow, wow. that was God's message as far as I was. That was a biggie. Powerful. Biggie. Yes. Well, I just, you know, sometimes I, th- I think, you know, do we make a difference? You know, we come together. We hope you li- enjoy listening to some of the good news stories, but also, you know, our general struggles through life and, you know, how we deal with things. Um, just this week, and it, I know this is, story's been in the news a couple of days, and I don't know. Uh, mm. it's just it's a tough one. Uh, so I've got a nine-year-old in fourth grade, and there's a Colorado little boy. He um, uh, was getting bullied at school because apparently he told his mom that he felt like he was gay 
and he wanted to tell everybody at school, and he wanted to start dressing more like a girl. And, of course, the number one thing is bullying and kids and educating them, and I, I hope I do it with my kids. You know, you see someone say something mean to your kid, and then usually the kids react, and they're mean back. And I, we're trying to teach them that thing we talked about yesterday where when someone does something unkind to you, you try to show them kindness to try to teach them or show them that there's not just all this anger in the world. And in the case of this little boy... Um, he was only in school four days, and uh, the older sister said that he said some of the kids told him, you know, you should kill yourself, which he did. Mm-hmm. And the mom said that he was just magic, that he was the light of her life, the light of her world. And I think back to my nephew, who from that age also wanted to dress more girly and, you know, and uh, you know Halloween, like maybe dress up like a princess and things like that. And I don't know about you guys, and we can tackle all of this, but... Um, I there's certain things I tell my kids and I don't know that this would have stopped it and I'm not trying to blame anyone for what happened because number one it's the bullying that caused him to turn this way but number two um, I tell my kids and maybe I'm too much of a helicopter protect yourself parent there's certain things we talk about at home or jokes we have or things that they might express to me or bothering them or they feel self-conscious or uncomfortable with and I say these are family conversations these are for us Mm -hmm. and so these aren't things that other kids may be empathetic to Um, these aren't things that you need to tell your peers right now that elementary school middle school high school it's hard enough so you don't need to share everything with everyone and so I don't know that I would have prompted him to go to school and tell everyone how he was feeling at nine years old in fourth grade because every day you feel different things you might want to wear fatigues one day and then you want to wear a dress the next day and then you want to do your nails so I'm not making any judgment about what he decided he felt I just don't know as a parent if I would say go to school and tell all the kids you feel differently now I have a real free spirit kid that likes to, you know, skip and run and jump and wear funny animal ears and wear sparkles on her face. And I'm like, do other kids do that? She goes, I don't care, Mom. I do my own thing. So I'm guilty of trying to make her conform and be more cookie cutter because I don't want her to stand out. I think it's necessary that. I think you want them safe. Yeah, and I feel like he wasn't safe. Well, and for your daughter. I mean... It's great to be that creative, so forth. But you all, you also know the real world, and you want her to be safe, and therefore you're looking at things kind of down the road. So I, I also think so that kids do not think that death is final. I yeah. really don't. I mean, for a kid in an elementary school to say, well, you should kill yourself, I don't think they believe that's final. And then what do they do when they go in and talk to these kids that, that bullied him? You know what I mean? Like, oh, how do they know. process that? I don't know. I really don't. I struggle with uh, the whole idea of conforming personally because I think that, you know, I think people look at, you know, the level of conforming like, you know, don't come out of the closet when you're nine years old at school. But then there's like all kinds of other ways of conforming that we do all the time um, that I don't really think are right. I, I have a problem with it. And, and, and Michelle, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying when you're 18. Oh, yeah. I, I almost feel like when you turn 18, you're free to wear anything, do anything, say anything. But I almost feel like under 18 that you're a target. Oh, of course. so different when you're an adult. No. When you're an adult, like you can stand up for yourself. But these kids are like... They're in danger. Oh, yeah, I completely agree with that. But what I was going to say is to add to your point that, you know, there's plenty of ways that we conform all the time. And I think of myself trying to conform as a child to my all-white school and be a certain way and do my hair a certain way. 
and dress a certain way and talk in a certain way, I'm like, there's like a limit on how much I think is acceptable. I don't think it's right for people to feel that they have to be exactly like everybody else. I know, and I want the them to be. I know, it's such a slippery, weird slope. It is. Because I, I love that about my child that's quirky and wants to wear like the rainbow animal ears to school. And and I'll say, like, are, do other kids dress like that? Or do other kids? I don't care, Mom. They're just clothes. And so I love her spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and... And I think that's fine. That's very minor. So you want to make but sure what, she doesn't get picked on but for But what if, you know, my son wants to wear a rainbow cape and mascara to school, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so with that said, if he's 18, you wear whatever you want, okay? That is up to you. And, you know, whether you keep your job or not or whatever, you have to kind of adapt your style. Because even here, like I remember one of my producers had like nose rings and earring loops and stuff, and they wouldn't let them wear them here. They don't because we mm-hmm. have a dress code. But, you know, as an adult, you can do these things and you you don't have to day-to-day worry that somebody's going to punch you in the face or tell you to kill yourself. But as kids, they have to conform somewhat to not be a target. And I know that's not politically correct for me to say. No, I, 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 complete, I understand completely what you're, what you're saying. It makes sense to me. I, no one wants for their kid to be a target. But at, at the same time, like some kids... Like my daughter, for example, who's a target every she day. She can't conform. And there's nothing she can do about there's that. There's nothing. So it's like, how come the greater, the the group of, the collective group of kids, you know, why, why aren't we trying to do a better job of teaching them to leave that outlier child alone? Do you right. know what I mean? Yeah, like, and I so think that's the, that's the whole point that. of the mom in this case. Yeah. So taking aside whether or not she told him to go and tell everybody and be proud of who you are and go tell everyone at school how you feel and how you want to wear girls' clothes now or whatever. I don't know what was said. So mm-hmm. taking that out, really it comes down to the bullying and how we educate our, our, our kids. Like yeah. people stare at your daughter because she's so tall and they mm-hmm. stare everywhere she goes. Mm-hmm. So how do we teach our kids to not be jerks? Right. You model it. <laughs> You model it, and the kid is watching constantly from birth until whatever. You model it. You're doing exactly what you should be doing. Uh, um, Talking about your daughter, absolutely, but I will say that my granddaughter, granddaughters want to fit in too, so therefore they try to dress the way others are dressing too. Does I that... messaged Monique the other day and I'm like, I don't know what's in for jeans. What's in? You know, like I mean, she told me where I could get some where your butt doesn't hang out. Yeah. And then you said modeling and I'm feeling guilty because my daughter said I was mean the other day because there was a girl that's maybe 12 and her rear end was sticking out of her shorts at volleyball. And I said, we don't wear shorts like that. And of course, kids are like, where, where, what short? What are you talking about? You know, and then they're pointing and I'm like, no, 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 no point. But what I'm saying is I don't want you to wear shorts with your rear end hanging out. You but just then say they, it's I not think acceptable I'm in our well, family. <laughs> I did. Yes, I said we don't wear that. Right, we don't. and that's okay. And your job as a mom is to not be their friend. Your job is to help them become the best oh, little I'm, person they I'm can not. be in the community. So many girls. I think there's a balance between like conforming. Yeah. You know, like you want just go do you. You know, yeah, like I you want just, that. I want right? them to just do them. I mean, but I then, want that. And then oh, so and so said such and it's like oh gosh, this is this whole child rearing thing is very, very complicated it is it's very it is. complicated don't you think it all comes back to the fear mentality i mean our fear is that they're going to be a target our fear yes. mm-hmm. is that like the bullies are really i think they're bullying because here's your outlier and it's 
different and they're scared of different. I think really how we approach it somehow is to attack the root cause. And I really think it's fear that's driving all of it. But why is like, okay, so we've talked about Lauren, how tall she is, 6'6". Six, six. Why now in high school is everybody stare, but then when she's playing for the WNBA or whatever, they're like, oh, I used to know her. I went to high school. She was so nice, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> right. And like then they're their friend or she's on ESPN. Like, oh, yeah, I went to school with her. She was so nice, whatever. It's like, mm -hmm. okay, why is it okay when they're kids – like, what, what is it, and how do we teach them to not single out the, the, the kid? I yell to my kids when they get, like go to the bus or leave the house, I yell out, be kind to others, hoping it'll stick, that that like, little mantra will stick. Make a wise choice. That's right. Yeah. Well, I like what you said, Angie, too, is kind of saying there's some things that we just talk about within the house. Because kids aren't empathetic towards right. your story of how you feel different or weird or insecure. Yeah, and the oh, feeling I got from you was, because I grew up in a, a generation where you don't talk about any stuff stuff like you don't share stuff and that's oh, not yeah. it at all it's about educating them and saying okay you want to go to school like this here's what might be your ramifications or and you can choose to do it or not do it but some of those personal things on how you're feeling I'm gay I'm not gay it doesn't need to be shared with a whole community well and um, my nephew's case um, he I, you know he wanted to dress and do these things when he was younger yeah and so uh, I um, he, he did them more like home like if he wanted to dress up or whatever that and he felt you know he wanted to dress like a princess for Halloween he'd do it at home now his grandmother would um, really ridicule him and if you want to dress like a girl you should be a girl and blah 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 and there's something wrong with you and blah blah, blah. so he made this little sign in second grade that had an X through it with her face because he didn't want oh, her to come in his room so already he wanted to do it so um, you know, and I'm sure people would disagree with me, but if my kids are at home and they want to goof off and play house or whatever, I don't have a problem with that. I just don't need them going to school and sharing things which can make them a target. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. yeah, well, I think part of it, sense. I don't really know if a nine-year-old really knows what their I don't sexual think, orientation is. I, I don't agree. think that's I possible. Don't, I, don't I don't either. Think so. I, I, I think in what? our society, you do? I, okay, so when I first heard the age, I'm like, what? But I'll tell you what. All my friends who are gay, I knew they were gay when we were kids. I couldn't, kids. I didn't know what it was because I don't think I really knew what gay was. And people was will just disagree like, You'll never with catch us, that girl in a dress. But I'm telling you something right now. I'm one of my girlfriends who's gay, black, single woman. And she's my husband's lifting partner, was for years. <laughs> so they would go to the gym together and they stayed friends for like 20, 25 years. She said once, because my husband had a debate with my aunt, who's a very strong Christian, that it's a choice. And my friend... Who's getting, again, this is just, we're having a discussion here. So if mm -hmm. you're listening, you're offended. We're just telling you what people are discussing. So my aunt and my husband are having this discussion, and he recounted it to Pope, his friend, who's a girl. And she said, do you think that I'm already black and a woman and single, I that choose I choose to be black. gay? She said, I would never choose to be gay. And she huh. can lift more than my husband, I just want to say. <laughs> and so, um, and she, it's just one of the most wonderful friends for him. It stayed friends with him over all the years since he's been gone from Chicago and gone from TV. So loyal, so wonderful. And she said, I would never choose this for myself. That's right. what she said. And that's, you know, the life she lives. And yeah, I, I would agree with her. But, but you can feel different too when you're little. Like, yeah, yes. I totally agree. Like, or, you know, people change even question your yourself and not yeah. know, but yeah. be like, and something's not right. Yeah. Something's Sometimes different. society puts labels on kids like, oh, you, you like nail polish, so you must be gay. That's right. not true. Right. Your so parents are gay, pink, you're going to be gay. gay. Right. So I do think when they're that young, they really don't know where they stand yet. And if you are a Christian listening and you are offended by what we're talking about, we're just trying to navigate like the world that our kids live in sure. and how to deal with their feelings, what 
what they want to talk about at school. And I feel sometimes that some parents are like, you know, embrace this at nine and go to school and tell everybody. And I'm thinking, you know what, mature and develop within our family unit. Talk to us about anything you want to talk about. No judgment. We love you. And then when you're older, go out into the world and then assert who you are and what you are. I, and again, I completely agree with you, Angie, but I will say, uh, watching the kids go through middle school and high school, there's plenty of middle schoolers who are out, very out these days. That's interesting. Now, it's not, wasn't happening yet. when, when, we, when were we were in school, kids, yeah. uh, but I had a feeling they were gay. These kids are definitely out and dating in middle school. Okay. Do you feel that part of that is that they just want their minute of fame and that this no. is a way? No, I don't think okay. so. I, I have seen I, that in two because she's. I, I think it could be possible. I think it could be possible. But um, looking at the the, the kids okay. that I've that seen, you know. yeah, I'm like, yeah. I just think about all my friends growing up, and I'm like, sure. yeah, they're just like that friends. They they maybe they didn't know it. We were in Catholic school, so they're like, oh, I, it's not allowed. I can't sure. do this. But they had some feeling inside of them, and I'm not gonna like strip them of their own feelings. Like, well, you know, and I as can't a tell Christian. I have many gay friends, and I was invited to do um, to be in the um, parade, in the Pride Parade. Mm-hmm. And uh, one time, my station, my TV station that I work for, was in the Pride Parade along with one of my friends who was gay. And they said, "We've never talked about this on the on the Good News." Uh, but I um, was asked to be in the parade, and then I asked my my boss at the time, and it was a Christian organization. And he said, "However you feel comfortable showing the love of Christ to others is up to you." And I said, "Will the station owner feel that way?" He goes, "Well, I don't know about that." <laughs> you know, so I think people think because we love people, we're somehow saying um, we support everything that's going on in the world, and because we're uh, you know part of this, so. I've always felt this wasn't a choice, okay, but I'm a really strong Christian, and there are Christians who will disagree with me, but my calling is to show the love of Christ. My calling is not to come to your house and tell you whether or not I think the Bible approves of what you do or whether I, I think that people who have alternative lifestyles should be welcomed into churches to be loved. Absolutely. We yeah. need to love yeah. them. Yeah. Michelle, thank you, because you're from my oh. mom's generation. And, but I will tell you, it's, and, and then I'm thinking of my mom's generation, like you mm. were talking about, you know, that would be, it's what we grew up with. Yeah, we don't one, shut the door to people thing. and say that you're not good enough to be loved right. by the church. Billy Graham was interviewed once, and the question was, if your son came home and said that he was gay, how would you how would you react? Immediately out of Graham's mouth came, I would love him all the more. My job is not to judge. My job is to love unconditionally, and I would love him all the more. And I, I've always loved that answer. I mean, I think that's, that's a, great. That's See, Michelle's are. Michelle's are very progressive. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know. I think you're, she, I think well, you're very I just progressive. I feel called to love. Other people feel a different calling. I feel called to love and not to judge people. Well, I think you know, judges are bullies. It's the same thing right. to me because what you're doing is you're saying that I'm better than you, and you're oh, not we'll doing this at my on level. This, and I think that we're they're too insecure and too. Wrong. Yeah. So I'm insecure too. Yeah, I, I mean, think it's insecure. as a teacher, the kid that's doing the bull- bullying is the oh. one who doesn't have friends. The only reason he has people around him is because he's bullying them to be around them. So right, and, and yeah. anyone listening would agree that a nine-year-old boy who's confused about who he is should not be bullied and told to kill himself. And now we've got a dead nine-year-old. So this right. all comes down Absolutely. to bullying, regardless right. of why the kid feels different. And my thing is, think however you think about uh, homosexuals, but. Um, you should treat everybody well. 
I, it's not that's not up for debate. Yeah, too. I don't think I I agree. Do you know what I mean? Well, that's the problem for anybody. People say they're Christians, and the Bible says, "How can you love God whom you've never seen when you can't even hmm. love your neighbor who you see every mm-hmm. day, regardless of how they feel, how they think, how they act? We may be the only Jesus people see. That's right. So we are, as Christians are, to go and display. And I tell people all the time, you can't tell anybody how to live their lives. That's between them and God. Mm-hmm. You just love people. Just love them. Mm-hmm. Because you're right, this may be the only Jesus they see is what they see through us. All right, tough topics here on the good news. Write uh, that tomorrow down, I've got Write that down. <laughs> I've got a really good, cool good news story <laughs> to share with you tomorrow. <laughs> and uh, we'll be right back with more good news. Good news of Jesus for you in High Definition Radio and streaming at 670KLTT.com. This is KLTT Commerce City, Denver. Hi, it's Angie. Hey, do you have a lot of things around your house you want to get rid of? My husband wants me to get rid of anything and everything that is in his way. 303-238-JANE. I love ARC. They help people in our community. Every dollar you spend helps and everything you donate helps. 303-238-JANE. They bring a truck right to my house. I actually have them come every month or two and it is so helpful to get that place cleaned out because you know what? My husband's a lot nicer to me when I donate things and who better to donate to than ARC? 303-238-JANE and arcthrift.org for a location near you if you just want to drop a few things off and do a little shopping. arcthrift.org, shopping with a purpose. I love Arc. Hello, hello. This is producer Dave. I'm sitting in for Angie right now. Um, This is actually going to be a brand new segment that we're going to have on the good news. Um, I'm going to be able to sit. A lot of times Angie can't be here for when we can schedule these special authors that we think our listeners you guys are all going to be very very interested in so we're going to set up a new style of segment where we get to talk to these authors we get to tell you about their books we get to actually dig real deep into their ideas so that you get a really good idea about what they do and why you want the book and this book in particular that we're talking about today is really going to be a great book i think everyone's going to be very interested in this we're going to be talking to michael grady and about his book called Making God Part of Your Family. And it's something that, that not as many people focus on anymore. It's a, something that even people that go to church every week, even people that, that, that are devout to Jesus and to the teachings of Jesus, and they listen to their pastor every week, they just don't read the Bible anymore. And Michael Grady is here. He's going to be telling us about how some people don't read the Bible, Particularly young people don't read the Bible as much as they used to. Even older people don't read the Bible as much as they used to. And it's Michael's mission to get people to start reading the Bible every single day. And he's got special messages. And he thinks he can help you connect your life to every story in the Bible. Isn't that right, Michael? Thank you for being on the show today. Thank you very much. And you're absolutely right. What a great introduction to what I'm trying to accomplish with my ministry is uh, to get the people to read the Bible together uh, read it on their own, but even read it together as a family. Uh, so that that is absolutely true. And I do hope that I can change that concept of people to in more enjoy the Bible and to have a better understanding of it. Right, right. And, and before we get really started into these ideas, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, how this passion grew in you? Okay, absolutely. Uh, my name is Michael Grady. I have been a, a 
in the business world for over 40 years. I was a CPA and uh, did a lot of major consulting. Uh, my passion, though, was I always felt like I was in the full-time ministry, even though uh, I was in the business world. And I uh, always wanted to be active in my church. And uh, my, my Bible goes about times, go back to when I was five years old, my mother started telling me the Bible stories. And I enjoyed them. And when I was 12, she taught me into, uh, I, I, I actually did the Gettysburg Address uh, at church for a visiting pastor. And uh, he had some children's Bibles there afterwards, and I said, Mother, as a prize, could I get that uh, children's Bible? And she said, yes, under one condition, you agree to read it every day. Well, I was one of those unusual ones that I took her up on that and did <laughs> read the Bible most every day since 12 years old. Uh, then when I was 17, my mother said, all right, you've run to read the Bible, now it's time to study it. And she gave me a book by M.R. DeHaan, who started the radio Bible class now, the Daily Bread Ministries. And uh, it was, the name of it was Portraits of Christ in Genesis. And since I already liked the Old Testament, I thought that was tremendous. But he just opened my eyes to how the Old and the New Testament were tied together, and God's plan was there from the very beginning. And I got excited about it and wanted to start sharing it. And even at an early age, even in my early 20s, I started teaching uh, and found out that people didn't read the Bible and weren't as interested in it as I was. And over the years, I've taught both 8- to 12-year-olds for over 30 years and adults for over 30 years. And neither side seems to want to spend the time reading the Bible. So I asked them why, and the answer was very consistent. I can't understand it. It's boring, and the Old Testament's not relevant. And I felt like I could change that perception. So uh, that's how my book got started, is to try to make uh, the, the story. I'm retelling the Old Testament stories, trying to make them more engaging, easier to understand. And each story, I point out how relevant they are to our daily lives, and I point out scriptures to how they tie the Old and New Testament together. So long answer to your question, but but no. excited about that's uh, exactly what you actually you mentioned something in there, and you mentioned the difference between reading and studying the Bible, which I think is a very important distinction for people. Um, when I was a kid, I actually had a children's Bible, but it was all illustrated with bunnies and stuff, and it was like told this weird version of the Easter story, and and it wasn't exactly teaching about the Bible. It just kind of overviewed what the Bible's story was. And I think that until you really study what's in the Bible, it's very, very difficult to connect your life, everyday life here in 2018, to the Old Testament, to the story, even the story of Easter. Absolutely. And, and, I think and, we underestimate what children can do. That's why I've written this book on an adult level, because most, most of our Bible story books or whatever are either written on a children's level or written to uh, are, are too detailed, and so what I wanted to do is write an adult book, but had a family flavor to it, so that the children, if the parents read it to the children, particularly eight to twelve year olds, they could understand it. I know that they can because I've been teaching them for thirty years, and we underestimate what they can solve. Now, granted, adults will get something different out of some of the stories than the children, but that's what every time I read the Bible, I find something new and different. So that's not unique. And um, but I felt like it needed to be engaging, um, and so that I wanted to make it conversational. So each of the stories are conversational, so that it would, as you read it, you begin to talk about it. But I also wanted to try to keep them short. If you just read through it, it's 15 minutes. If you 
uh, take the time to talk about it like I did with my grandchildren when I started doing it with them, it would take 30 to 45 minutes. Uh, so you can choose either one. If you really want to get into it, I actually have a subtitle. I call the book Making God Part of Your Family because I want the families to read it together. Um, but I have a subtitle, The Family Study Bible, because at the end of every uh, chapter, I have all the scriptures that I tied in to make the Old and New Testament tie together and point out how relevant they are. So you can really go look up all the scriptures and make it a true Bible study. That's amazing. There's so many facets to the way that you wrote this book and your focus of it. Um, one thing I'm sure you and you kind of touched on it just now, but one thing um, that I'm sure you talk about in the book that I haven't got to is sometimes showing my family the Bible, kind of connecting the stories of the Bible to our everyday lives and kind of keeping it involved. It can feel a lot like homework. I'll tell you, sometimes it can feel like I'm. it's a chore and it's difficult to keep people focused. Now, besides keeping them short, what other ways have you done in this book? Can you maybe talk about some of the things that you've done to make it so that we can all find those important things and we can keep focused so that we can find all those important things, those new things that we, re that we see each time we read a different book of the Bible? Right, wonderful point. What I tried to do is ask questions in the middle of the story so that, and make them relevant to our daily lives so that it wasn't be just a story, although I think the stories are interesting in of themselves. But if you begin to point out how it can relate to you and ask those questions, it was amazing. When I sat down and read it with my granddaughters, I wasn't two or three paragraphs in before they were starting asking questions. And it was hard to get them to sit down and read it with me. But once I got them to sit down, we had a great time because it was an opportunity to, car, uh, to bring up subjects that might not be so easy to bring up, uh, except, you know, the Bible covers a lot of different subjects, and not all of them are pretty. Uh, there, there's times I had one pastor tell me he read it with his grandchildren. He had two grandchildren that were the same age, 13, and they were talking about it. And one of them said, well, you know, this is not relevant to me and to us. And the other one picked up and says, yes, it is. You remember how you treated me the other day? That's exactly what this story is about. <laughs> so it, it, it stimulates the discussion. My point is, and I apologize for going on, but to stimulate the discussion, and, and what I try to do is make some small thought-provoking do, uh, doses. There are points there that I love bringing out that nobody had ever seen before. Uh, it, and I'll give a point or two, if you'd like for me to, to just to show you that there are things when you read it, you say, wow, I would have never understood that. Yes. Never would have seen that uh, together. That's actually, I was going to tie two questions together to get you to start doing that. First, um, one of the questions that, that I have here is, it's, well, I've been asked this before, is like, why in the Bible are, is it all parables and imagery and symbols? Why couldn't some of the Bible be direct, like, hey, this is it? Um, and I'm, I hope you have an answer for that. But then also, what are some ways, for example, that you can use these stories in the Bible to connect us to them today? Absolutely. I, I, do, I do believe God chose, Jesus said he chose to speak in parables. Some of them are mysteries, and I acknowledge that they're mysteries, but I think they're mysteries because we see everything from the world standpoint, and the world standpoint is not God's standpoint. And God actually, I believe, told these stories so that us simple-minded folks and looking at it from God's perspective would have a vision that he would reveal to us if we took the time to look at it. So the world's wisdom is what confuses us rather than God's wisdom, and I think that God's chosen to, to make them uh, for those that are foolish, wise, and those who are wise, foolish, uh, by 
giving us these words in, in parable form. But I also think that on the other side of your question is that I think sometimes when they tell stories, they're easier for us to get the connection. We can relate it to our lives. And like Jesus taught in parables, I believe, while I believe these stories are history, I believe God chose each of these stories to teach us something, to help us point out how either we can live our lives better or how it's part of his plan of salvation. What better way when uh, God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son? Uh, was that not just a beautiful picture of what God was one going, going to do with his son? And I'm I, I just amazed that he would put that story in there. Uh, and But when you're trying to read that story, God's got so many details, more than just that major picture. Uh, I point out in that story, there's just detail after detail that shows that God was says, I've got a plan, and Jesus is going to come to save you one day, and here's how that plan's going to come. And I try to point that out without trying to – you don't have to be a theologian to do this. I, it's, I will say that this because I'm a layman, I try to write it on a layman's terms. But it doesn't mean it's not deep, and it doesn't mean that it doesn't have thought-provoking things that will help us understand God better. Right. Uh, so, That's a great point. So, everybody, uh, this is the good news with – Producer Dave today, uh, sitting in for Angie Austin. I'm talking to author Michael Grady. He wrote the book "Making God Part of Your Family," and it's a so it's a study guide slash really great way, very approachable way to look at the Bible and to get people more interested in reading it. Now, Michael, you've mentioned that younger people in particular. You mentioned in your notes that millennials in particular aren't reading the Bible. Now, is is there anything other than just kind of a disconnect to it? I mean, some of these millennials go to church every week, but they're still not reading the Bible. And you say your book can help them do that. How do you think that can work? I think, well, I will tell you as a testimony from the – I also teach a 20, 20 to 30-year-old class uh, each week tonight, on, every Monday night. And what one of the surprising things, even though I wrote it primarily for the family, I wanted any adult to read it that didn't know the Bible – and they're telling me, finally, I get what the Old Testament's about. I get what God's trying to get message he's trying to get across to us. Um, and so I think that will, is what I'm, I'm hoping will come out of this. Um, I've forgotten exactly what your specific question was uh, on that <laughs> point. Well, I was I, just I wondering believe. how something in your book that you can point to that maybe you'd want to reveal to somebody as to what they can tell their millennial friend or nephew or cousin or whoever why they could read the Bible and what they can get out of it and how they can get your book to help them connect their own lives to the Bible. Well, all right, and I thank you for repeating that. Yeah. Uh, one thing I think the reason they don't read it is because their parents didn't read it, and their parents don't think it's important, and church is not important as much as it was anymore. So while they go to church, they might go once a week or just to go listen, and nobody's given them that foundation that the Bible is the Word of God. And if you can understand and ha get them to challenge them to read it and see if it's not the Word of God, if God would speak to you on an individual basis, and I believe that's what He does through the words, because sometimes He'll speak to me in one passage and tell somebody else something different from that same passage, but always consistent with Him. And I believe that if they really understand that this is God's Word, it would change their life to read it. And my book is trying to help them, guide them to doing those things. One of, my, one of my favorite stories is the story of the, uh, Joseph, the coat of many colors. 
he did everything right, and he still got into trouble. Uh, he was the favorite son, and so maybe he was a little bit boastful in that regard, but he was the favorite son, got sold into slavery, shouldn't have ever happened. But what did he do? He made the best of his circumstances. He was going to be the best slave he could, and he was rewarded with that for a while. But you know, sometimes in life, everything doesn't work out the way we want it to. And Joseph did everything right, and what did he do? His reward was getting thrown into the dungeon. And when he was in the dungeon, instead of giving up and complaining and grumbling, he said, I'm going to be the best person in jail that can be. And so he was able to get out of the jail and work and, and serve in the prison. And, you know, 13 years later, one day he woke up and he was the prime minister, well, woke up, he one day let out of jail <laughs> and became the prime minister of Egypt, the greatest country in the world at the time, uh, because he was faithful to do God, to do what God had called him to do. He had had a vision from God, and he believed that vision. And I believe that what happened was, if he had not been working so hard during those years of slavery and in the years of dungeon, he wouldn't have been ready to be prime minister. You wouldn't think living in a dungeon could prepare you, but if you could work with those people, you could work with anyone. Right. And when he came back, I think what, so what a wonderful relevance that is to our lives. If we could have that attitude, how it would change how we deal with things. But you know there's something even bigger this talk in that story is that Joseph was sold into slavery by his own brothers. And one day he saved those same brothers that sold him into slavery. Isn't that a picture of what Christ has done it for us? It certainly is. The same it certainly people is. that sold Jesus into the cross saved him. What God, what man meant for evil, God meant for good. Is what that story, kind of what Joseph tells his brothers when he says why he bothered to save them. So I think those that would, if that can't get you excited, I don't know. What <laughs> right. Well, I tell but, you what, I can hear I the passion in your voice. I can, I can feel. Uh, how this book will will speak to people and can get people that don't read the Bible to read the Bible. I One of the notes that I have here is that spending time with your family and putting God first will create a richer family life. It'll make you more peaceful. It'll bring you closer to God. It'll bring you closer to your family. And I think that's something that everyone can get out of this book, no matter how old you are, no matter what your age, no matter how big your family is. Now, everybody, I'm talking to my, Michael Grady. He wrote the book, Making God Part of Your Family. Uh, we only have about a minute left. Michael, can you tell us how we can get this book, where we can get it, and then maybe what's next for you? Uh, and then hopefully we'll be able to talk to you again here on The Good News. I'd love to. Uh, yes, you can get the uh, get it through Amazon or Barnes & Noble or any of the major bookstores. And the Christian bookstores, and a lot of the Christian bookstores have it. Uh, I have a website, www.michaelgrady.org. Uh, you can order the book um, by going to my website. Uh, they had uh, are emailing me at michael at michaelgrady.org. Uh, all those places will, will get you uh, to the book. And, uh, yes, I actually do. This first book is the first five books of the Bible. Uh, tomorrow I have a conversation with my publisher. Uh, he, I am submitting the final manuscript to Volume 2. Um, I've already started working on Volume 3. Uh, that will get me through the Old Testament. So this will get, get you all the way through but what a wonderful message that that God reveals to us through those first five books of the Bible, and, and I, I believe people will will really change their lives because it just it's God's word, it's not mine, it's God's word. All I, He just gave me the the privilege and the pleasure of uh, of sharing what He shared with me and putting it on paper. I did have one of my twenty year olds tell me we're talking about the passion. She said, "You know, I'm reading the book and." 
Michael Grady's coming out every time I see you teaching <laughs> right in there. <laughs> so hopefully some of that passion got in the book to help people understand it and, and read it together. Thank you so much for the time. Right. Thank you so much, Michael Grady. And everybody, go get this book. It's a great book, Making God Part of Your Family. You can find it at michaelgrady.org. You can find it on Amazon. It's going to help so many people. Thanks again, Michael. And uh, we'll be right back with more good news. There is so much fun stuff to do at the YMCA of the Rockies this summer, you're never going to want to leave. Come fill your days and nights with our exciting programs and entertaining activities. At YMCA Snow Mountain Ranch, we are celebrating our first summer at the Spruce Saddle Adventure Park, featuring a zip line, rock climbing, slack lines, and a pendulum swing, all part of a unique playground designed to ignite the spirit of even the youngest adventurers. The Spruce Saddle Adventure Park is located right next to our famous summer tube hill and our world-class dog park. YMCA has made Snow Mountain Ranch the place where the entire family can adventure together. YMCA Snow Mountain Ranch is the ideal family vacation located in a stunning environment that helps build healthy minds, bodies, and spirits for all. At YMCA of the Rockies, we love to provide real bonding experiences for families of all sizes. Go to snowmountainranch.org. Fill your summer with fun, exciting, and affordable family adventures at YMCA of the Rockies. Book your stay at snowmountainranch.org today. Hi, it's Angie. Thanks so much for listening to The Good News. If you like The Good News program and you'd like to support us, we need to partner up with businesses to keep this show going. I'd really like to keep it on the air and I need advertisers in order to do that. And I'd love to partner with you and help you build your business or your website. Maybe you're a nonprofit and you'd like to do an interview and you'd like to donate to us so that we can help you get donations as well. AngieAustinRadio.com AngieAustinRadio.com Just click on Contact Me. I would would love to partner up with you. I think this is a great program. We've been on the air for about seven years now, and I think a lot of people have gotten a ray of sunshine and some faith and even a little fun from this program. So if you'd like to support us, please go to AngieAustinRadio.com. We would like to help you build your business or nonprofit as well. AngieAustinRadio.com and click on contact. I'd love to hear from you, and I'd love to help you build your business. Angie Austin here. There's a strong connection between academic performance and a student's health. Nearly one out of three school-age kids misses one or more school days due to illness or injury. And let's be honest, having health care coverage helps you keep your kids on the right track in terms of their health. Joining us is Amy Hennessy, Senior Advisor for the Consortium for Medicaid and Children's Health Operations Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Welcome back, Amy. Nice to be here, Angie. All right, so let's uh, first uh, talk about what is Medicaid and CHIP, C-H-I-P. Sure. So Medicaid and, and CHIP, as it's commonly referred to, is actually the Children's Health Insurance Program. We call it CHIP for ease, are free or low-cost health insurance programs for kids and teenagers. And who's eligible for those programs? How do you, you know, find out if you could, uh, you know, be eligible for CHIP or Medicaid? Great question. So one thing I want to highlight for your listeners is that what we hear most often is, oh, my family wouldn't be eligible. We make too much money, et cetera. And what I want to point out about these programs in particular is that a family of four, let's say, for example, can earn up to $50,000 a year and may still qualify for Medicaid or CHIP in Colorado. So the program is pretty generous and people often are surprised that they, they may be eligible. But as I said, the, the Children's Health Insurance Program is for kids and teens. The Medicaid program is for kids and teens, as well as some low-income adults. 
All right. Now, in terms of uh, it, coverage, and you mentioned that you know that a, a lot more people can qualify than you know, generally think they can qualify. Why is it so important for parents to check this out and for students to have health coverage? So we know, you know, it's back to school time right now and everyone's focused on getting new notebooks and, and backpacks and who their teacher is. But we also know that with health insurance, children can get the care that they need to fully participate in the classroom and after school activities. So whether it be a screening so that they can play football or gymnastics or it be immunizations needed to start the school year, the CHIP and Medicaid program provide access to really important um, services to ensure that kids stay healthy so that they can be better prepared to learn and they're less likely to miss school because they're sick. And, you know, Amy, I have to be honest with you, even as someone who's generally, I mean, we've been covered. I've uh, gone from working for big major news organizations like NBC and ABC and Fox and um, had really great coverage then to going to trying to find my own and not having, you know, great coverage. And I'll, I hate to admit this, but you're more likely to take your kid in when you have coverage where you can count on it and take them in. Like there've been times where I'm like, oh, maybe I better wait. We have such crummy coverage. I'll wait another day and see if they're really sick. I'm, I'm, I'm being transparent here. And so I know if I've done that, certainly people who are in a much different financial situation than I am have done that. Absolutely. And one of the things, too, that often people don't know about the CHIP and Medicaid program is that it provides pretty comprehensive services. So to your point, Angie, speaking of, oh, you know, is my child really sick enough to go to the doctor? In addition to just doctor's visits, the CHIP program provides access to even vision screenings, dental exams, and mental health services, along with prescription drug coverage. So it is comprehensive health insurance. So in terms of eligibility, if people want to find out, you know, more about coverage, what it covers, who might be eligible, because as you mentioned, the, um, you know, $50,000, it sounds like, ooh, that's a lot. When you've got kids or a lot of kids, it doesn't go that far. That's right. And so we encourage people just to check it out and see if they may be eligible. I, I'm hoping that folks would be pleasantly surprised. And the way that they can do that, they prefer to go online. We have a great website. It's called insurekidsnow.gov. Again, that's insurekidsnow.gov. And when they get to the landing page, they just simply need to click on find coverage for your family and click the, the um, state of Colorado and they'll be directed to the site. The online application is really brief and sometimes people can find out their eligibility in just a day or two. If people prefer to use the phone and talk to a live person, they can call 1-877-KIDS-NOW. Again, that's 1-877-KIDS-NOW and talk to an operator and apply over the phone. Excellent. Well, thanks for the good info, Amy. Thanks, Angie. Have a great day. You too. Thanks for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.